say it. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. Are y'all ready? Come on, sing it with me. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. You got to get your choir rock on on this one. It's gonna work. It's gonna work. Oh, yes it is. Yes, it's gonna work. It's gonna work. That's right.
Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Listen, we, we are still uh, in the midst of an empty sanctuary. And uh, tomorrow, tomorrow the city goes through what they're calling phase one, where many things are opening, um, malls and, and, and hospitals and uh, everything, 25% capacity. However, even though the city is opening, we shall remain like this Amen. For, for the time being. We're, we're, we're exercising wisdom because just because you have the license to do something doesn't mean wisdom says do it. And so Bethel, for, for, for a little while, we're going to still have the empty pews. We miss seeing you in the seats, that's for sure. But we're going to keep it empty for a while. But the good news is this season has taught us to get back to the heart of worship. It's taught us what, what this season is really all about. This is about worship. We do so much in church. Child, we're going to have to cut a lot of it out. Because a whole lot of stuff we do in church that we're not doing now, people don't want to go back to. And so this morning, we're prepared for worship. And I want you to be prepared. We want you to be prepared. I, I don't want you to be distracted. I don't want you walking around unless you're an essential worker or unless you're listening as you drive. If you are home, get your coffee, get your, your toast, get whatever you're going to get. Find you a spot. You need to be somewhere today where you can listen intently to this sermon I've got today. It is the most important sermon, Pastor, I have preached during the pandemic. I heard you mention that last week. So and it's going to be amazing. Now, now first, we want, we want people to take ussies. Is that what we want them take to do? Take ussies. So tell, tell, tell the folk at home what they need to do real You quick. all have been doing amazing at posting your ussies or selfies for morning worship. You all have been so creative. You've been in hats, you've been in church attire, workout attire, all kind of things, but you've been doing so well. We wanna keep seeing that because we miss seeing you. Yeah. So we wanna be able to see your faces on social media. So take the time right now, take your selfie, take your ussy, whatever you need to do and post it to the Bethel Experience page because we want to see your face. Also, listen, if you're watching on Facebook, hit the share button so you can share with everybody that worship has begun at the Bethel Experience. Praise team, y'all ready? We ready. The band is ready. Are you ready? This worship is about to be amazing today. Praise team is going to get us started. Let's get ready for worship. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. I know we're in the sanctuary and we can respond. Praise the Lord. We just want to take a moment just to tell our Savior how much we love him and how grateful we are. And we send that love back to him. The song says, Millions of words can't describe the feelings I have down inside it's hard so I'll simply say Jesus 
so God, we send our love to you. We send our praise to you right now, God. We set our focus and attention totally on you in this moment. Millions of words can't describe the feelings I have down inside. It's hard to so I'll simply say, declare it in this house, Jesus. Jesus, I love you, Lord. 
listen, wherever you are right now, wherever you are in your, in your home or on your job or wherever you might be, I want you just to take a minute and just lift your hands in the air wherever you are. Praise team, keep those mics in your hand for me. Listen, I said earlier that one of the things this season has done for us, it has gotten us back to the heart of worship that we worship the Lord because we are now worshiping without any distractions you're not distracted by your neighbor by your phone well you might be distracted by your phone still you're not distracted by who's coming in the sanctuary worship you've heard me say all through this season the, the Lord gave me that phrase worship is for an audience of one with many spectators so wherever you are right now you ought to be worshiping the Lord wherever you are just lift your hands I don't care what kind of voice you have I want you to just lift just that that one phrase that says Jesus I love over and over come on praise the Jesus Jesus come on tell him I love, I love come on wherever you are Jesus Let's go. 
your house. That's why. Wherever you are, if you're working, if you're driving, come on, just say it to the Lord. Tell him, that is why. That's the only reason why. We love the Lord. Listen, you. You ought not let being in your home this morning or wherever you're watching from preclude you from just giving God a, a hand, a lifting of the hand, a clapping of the hand, a, a praise from your lips. Wherever you're watching from this morning, you, you ought not need to be in the sanctuary building. Create your own sanctuary where you are. And worship the Lord with us today listen I want to encourage you especially Bethel but if you're a friend of the ministry and you're able to watch us during this hour I want to encourage you to practice faithful and consistent giving there are many ways you can sow into the ministry of this church because ministry is still going on Bethel you know our responsibility the trustees are here at the church and just like you did last week hey you want to drive it down and peep in the door and wave your hand at your bishop you can do that drive on down to the church give them uh, your tithe and your offering put your car in park and just run in open the, the back door and just kind of wave your hand at us or you can go on Givelify Bethel Baptist Church Jacksonville our cash app the Bethel experience or if you're watching on our website just give or if you're watching on Facebook if you're watching on one of the other uh, platforms go over to the website thebethelexperience.com and give your giving is so needed and I need you to be faithful because it allows us uh, to do ministry still as a matter of fact pastor uh, tell tell our virtual congregation one of the things we're doing, two of the things actually we're doing today. Well, of course, in the life of our church, thank God that you are still being faithful with your seed, your tithes and your offering, because we're still doing ministry. And during this pandemic in this season, we are still blessing people. We are still blessing the community. Yeah. And so with that being said, what we're doing, as Bishop said, two things. The first thing is we are sending 71 dinners over to Baptist South. Yeah. Baptist South. And so we're so thankful for that. We're thankful to Nicole Thomas, the president of that hospital, for allowing us who's to feed, who's one of our members, to feed those essential workers. They're on the front line still caring for patients. They're putting their lives at risk. And so we're taking 71 dinners. That deserves a hand clap of yeah, praise. Wherever you are, wherever you you are right put now. your hands yeah. together. We need to feel yeah. your clap energy. Thank you. That's we need awesome. to feel your clap energy for that ministry also we are feeding over 60 of our senior citizens amen yeah. all yeah. across Jacksonville yeah. we are feeding 60 of our 60 plus seniors so we want to thank Miss Annette Hughes yeah. um, for and her staff for doing that for us for cooking up those meals for us yeah. and so we're sending those meals to Baptist South and to 60 plus seniors 
in Jacksonville. We're so thankful that the Bethel Church can be a blessing on today, but we can't do it without you. And so we're thankful to God for allowing you to sow into this ministry. And you know, I want to thank our staff as well and our deacons and trustees because our staff um, is helping to actually deliver the meals. Mm -hmm. And then our deacons and trustees, along with our staff, they're delivering the meals to our seniors. We're able to, and Sister Annette Hughes, she's the James Brown of, of the church, the hardest working, the hardest woman, working woman in the kingdom. Amen. And I, we love her dearly. Yes. And uh, your giving is what allows us to do these yes. things. And so whether you're, if you're a member, I show enough need you. I didn't say surely enough. I said oh, no. show enough need you to give this morning. And if you're a friend of the ministry and you're watching, man, you ought to sow a seed uh, right now, listen, before, before we go any further, don't forget the virtual fellowship right after service today. Y'all need to come to the virtual fellowship because I have a major announcement during the virtual fellowship. That only the people in the virtual fellowship get. Only the people. You don't get it anywhere else. Only the people. And if you haven't joined us on the kickback on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you need to do that. Hey, tomorrow night at 730 is going to be a very important conversation on Facebook Live and I want everybody to tune in. My big brother, Reverend Al Sharpton has invited myself, uh, Dr. Freddie Haynes, Dr. Jamal, uh, Brian and Dr. Lakeisha Walren, um, who is president of New York Theological Seminary, to be in a conversation about the pandemic um, and where the church goes from here, where we as a community go from here. And I want to invite everybody tomorrow night at 7.30 to join us. Listen, before we go on, we're getting ready for the word, and uh, it's going to be Daniel chapter 6. And I'm telling you right now, I wrote it on Facebook when the praise team was uh, worshiping. Anybody that's struggling with this season, making sense of this season, you need to call them and tell them to tune in. 2004. It's around 2004. We had already done one music project uh, with another label. And around 2004... A young man that I had met at Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church. He was the minister of music for one of my brothers, Bishop Leofra Thomas. He could play. He could sing. He was country. <laughs> he had the biggest smile and the biggest laugh. And he came to me and, and said, Bishop, let, let me do your next project. He and his wife had begun their own label. Uh, and so 2004, I believe it was, we did one a time. What a time. At that time, uh, two people from our band, I don't think y'all had, had y'all joined the ministry yet? Yeah, y'all, uh, Mike Ferguson and James Davis, they were part of the crew, that Tallahassee crew that Troy Sneed put together. And uh, I wanted both of them in Jacksonville. And, you know, I'm the godfather, so I get what I want. No, I'm just playing. Uh, and uh, Troy helped uh get what I believe is the baddest percussionist and the baddest bass player on the planet to be a part of our band. And so for the next eight years, we did five projects with Mtro Gospel, Troy, Sneed, and Emily. Troy somewhere contracted the COVID. And uh, last Sunday, he went on to be with the Lord. It, it's, it's, ironic is not the word, 
I don't know if even providential is the word, but Troy went to be with the Lord eight years to the date that we recorded our last project. That last project we recorded after I had throat surgery and the doctor told me I would never sing again. So our son, Troy, couldn't come up with a name for, for y'all have to know Troy, first of all. We would be the night of a recording and I'd be looking for Troy and Troy would be in the music room because we needed an extra song. And Troy would be in there making up a song and Troy had this, this gospel country beatbox. He would do it and making up, the, and he was making up songs and we couldn't think of a name for the song we were going to do. Uh, it was a competition. It was we had put it out there that we would accept That's whoever right. couldn't name this album. And we were in, was Troy with us in Waffle House? Mm -hmm. No, I called him. Yeah, we were in Waffle House. We were in Waffle House with and our kids. son said, you should name it The Recovery since you've recovered from your sickness. I called Troy and Troy said, that's it. How amazing <laughs> that eight years to the date Troy recovered. God gave him full healing and called him to be with the Lord. And we love Troy. Troy put us on the map when it comes to music. Not just us, but uh, I could name so many groups that Troy is responsible. I said in my Facebook post about him, he never got the credit and recognition he really deserved in the gospel industry because he was an absolute giant who now lives in glory. So I wanted today to just do a tribute to Troy Sneed from our last album. It was actually written by Jamie Johnson, who was one of our band members. It's one of my favorite songs. And so we want to be in prayer for Emily and for their children and his entire family as the world and the gospel industry has lost an icon. I want y'all to listen to the night we recorded, Your Glory. And right after this tribute, we're going to get into this word you need today. Oh! 
pray for Emily and for their children and for all who have felt this loss and not only this loss but so many so many losses during this season I saw uh, as I, I've got Facebook live open here on my phone Jamie is Jamie is watching on Facebook live who wrote that that wonderful sermon Troy had this habit there were two things that he was going to do at every recording, James and Mike. He was going to talk about his mama, and he was going to slip into an old school song about going to heaven in every recording. And God has now given him what he sang so powerfully about. And so I thought it was just apropos to just do a, a tribute because he had done so much for this ministry and I thought it was just well worth making sure that we honor him and then that we pray for that family on today listen let me just remind you again if you're just signing on I need you to hit the share button so that everybody uh, can tune in to this word today that everybody needs once again don't forget your, your, your sowing this morning, your giving, bring it to the church. The trustees are outside, bring it. You want to just look on your bishop's face? I may not be able to see you that far, you know. I can't see that good even with the glasses. But just kind of wave your hand at me in the back. Now, if I'm in the midst of a heavy point driving the sermon, don't get mad. But I waved the bishop, he didn't wave back at me. But you come in and wave your hand. Or I need you to be faithful online this morning. God has blessed us through the medium of technology. So you know Giblify, Cash App, and the website. If you're a friend of the, of the ministry, not necessarily a member, but a friend, I invite you to sow this morning. Anytime during this sermon, as a word speaks to where you are in your life, you ought to slip away over and sow a seed even as I'm preaching. So come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you now for the privilege of your word going forth even through technology. Thank you that the power of your word and the anointing of your proclaimer is not predicated on antiphonal sounds in the sanctuary. But thank you that we preach from a place of faith. And so let your power go forth and your word go forth is my prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody on the praise team, because I ain't got nobody else, say amen. amen. <laughs> Listen, go with me over to Daniel chapter 6, one of the most familiar scriptures in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 6. I've got my phone open, y'all, on Facebook Live. So uh, as I'm preaching, you know, y'all shoot some amens and some hearts and some preach bishop and all of that. I'll be able to see it. Uh, Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, and I want uh, to go down uh, to verse 15. Daniel chapter 6, verse 15. 
Daniel chapter 6 verse 15 then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den the king said to Daniel may your God whom you serve continually rescue you a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. He could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. Daniel was lifted from the den. No wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I, I want to talk to you this morning. I want to talk to you about accepting what God allows. Accepting what God allows. I don't, I don't know if many of you remember a story. It's been about 10 years ago now in the year 2010, August 5th to be exact, when the collapse of a Chilean roof led to 33 miners being trapped underground. They had been underground up to 53 days when the story really began to pick up and pick up. And the area in which they were trapped was about 540 square feet where all of them were trying to survive. 33 grown men had to find a way to share this 540 square foot space. In a real sense, they were shut in, not from a pandemic, but from a catastrophe. All around them were health hazards and physical concerns. One of, the, one of the major concerns was their psychological condition because they were buried and burdened for 1,500 feet behind bedrock. And for 17 days after the roof collapsed, they survived, the story goes, by eating two mouthfuls of tuna a day and a half sip of milk. Geologists cautioned that at any moment the entire shaft could cave in on them. On day 25, with most of their families now all around, engineers were able to bore a hole six inches wide and were now able to send in a pipe to give them water and food packets. They also sent down a camera so that their family members could see what condition they were in. Their loved ones sent a note down to the miners. They couldn't see them. They couldn't go in to visit them. They sent this, this message down to these shut-in miners. And the message simply said, 
is everybody all right? They waited for a response. They thought they would get a list of demands or a head count as to who was still alive. But the message they got back had nothing to do with the question asked. The question was asked, is everybody all right? And one of the miners had a pen that was still working. And they wrote a note and sent back up. And when it opened up, there were no names, there was no head count, there were no requests. On the note was simply one question, who's responsible for this? It made me think about life on the real. While people will, will ask you from time to time when you were going through, are you all right? In reality, most of the time, that's not where your mind is. Your mind is at the point of trying to figure out who's responsible for me being in what I'm in. How did I get here? How did I end up in this situation? For now, for six weeks and for some places longer than that, we've been plagued with a pandemic as the result of something called COVID-19, a coronavirus that has cost first and foremost lives it, it has cost lives more than anything else it, it has not only cost lives but it has also cost jobs it has impacted families and persons worldwide and everybody listening to me right now I'm sure can think of at least one person that has either contracted the virus died from the virus or been impacted by the presence of the virus everybody listening to me right now and as believers here is the question I put before us this morning as Christians how do you reconcile something so evil scary and fatal that that's that's where Daniel found himself he finds himself trapped in this dark place Daniel is like most of us Daniel is shut in <laughs> he's shut in that Daniel to give you the backstory Daniel has had a blessed life in Babylon and and there were many Babylonians who could not handle the favor he seemed to have with the king that's a whole nother sermon that the reason some folk don't like you is because they see you wearing the favor of the king every time you show up that's a whole nother sermon they they, they get mad because Daniel seems to get promoted all the time by King Darius. They cannot figure out how this Jew who is not a Babylonian keeps getting elevated in this Babylonian government. And so they, they use, yes, Daniel's religion against him. They plotted against him when the word got out that the king was putting Daniel in charge of the entire nation. They they try to use his worship and his ethnicity against him by suggesting that he has been praying when the king said you should not pray and they go to the king and they remind the king I don't care how much you like Daniel you cannot change the policy that you put out that if anybody's praying to any God other than you they have to be punished and the king was upset and he was fretting because he liked Daniel and did not want Daniel to have to suffer and he goes and he asks Daniel has he been praying and Daniel says yes I'm coming back to that and Daniel is thrown into a den of lions 
to die. Now, y'all, here's the trip part. Here's the twisted part. Daniel has been faithful to God, has an excellent prayer life, and yet neither of those have kept him from being thrown into this dark place and evil situation. Now, the story at its core, we know, is about God honoring spiritual character and faithful integrity. But today, I want to unpack it to everybody that's listening to me in a different way and use it to relate to where we find us. And I'm glad that you probably don't have anybody around you because you'll be able to be more honest about where I'm going today since you ain't got to fake it for your neighbor sitting next to you inside the church. Because y'all, where Daniel finds himself is where most Christians find ourselves right now in the midst of this pandemic. You can't figure it out. It doesn't make sense. You've done nothing to deserve it. Laid off or furloughed on your job. Family members sick or even killed by this virus. Members of your church or your friendship circle suffering from it. And you can't figure out why in the world is it happening and especially to those of us who are African Americans how is it that as African Americans we are getting the virus more than anybody and being tested least than everybody and we are looking around saying God as black folk haven't we suffered enough don't we deal with enough and now our community is being stricken how does something come from China and black Black folk get it more than anybody else. I know you don't want to say amen and you probably don't have to because you're sitting inside your house. But I'm in your mind right now. I'm in that Johari's window, window of your consciousness that you don't want anybody to know about. Where you have these thoughts even as a Christian. And then you've got to deal with non-believers who speak out loud your deepest questions that you are too fake to ask. You can't reconcile that a good God would allow the atrocities we see today let's be honest Let, let's just be honest i started to preach this sitting at a table this morning because yeah even if the church was full there wouldn't be many amens and i'm not looking for any today i'm trying to hit us where we're living let's be honest we struggle with some of the same questions doubts and concerns we often succumb to playing the same mental games others do when a crisis or a tragedy happens, I know we come to church and we say we're supposed to be different, but we ask, why did this have to happen? Why couldn't this have been prevented, Lord? Then we allow our doubts and fears and uncertainties to bounce around in our mind, cycling around without any answers or resolutions. You come to church and you serve in the church. You've got a disciplined prayer life. You take care of your family. And yet here you are in a dark place you don't deserve. You, you thought there was supposed to be something different about your life because of your faithfulness. But people who don't even pray like you, don't go to church like you, don't even live like you, they seem to be doing just fine. But every time you turn around, you can't catch a break. <laughs> then people want to know 
why you're not shouting all the time why you ain't lifting hands all the time and the answer is not anything theologically deep you just don't feel like it Jesus every day you have to deal with phony people and then people want you to come to church and lift hands and be phony and act like it's all right and let's just be honest let's put it on the table let's lay our cards on the table it's not all right you lost your job it's not all right you got furloughed it's not all right you lost your financial stability it's not all right your loved one died it's not all right you have a loved one who is an essential worker and every day they've got to risk their life because they can't afford to not get paid it's not all right your child or your children had to come home from school early and can't manage online classes as well as being in the classroom it's not all all right Daniel is a faithful servant but his faithfulness lands him in hell and God doesn't stop it he's placed in the lion's den because of praying to God and the God he's praying to <laughs> doesn't stop it Daniel is dealing with a concept that most of us don't like to even think about and that is the permissive will of God. Here it is. Let me straighten it out and help all the holy folk. God didn't put you in this, but he did allow it. God did not put the virus on us, but he did allow it. Yeah, I, this, is, this is tough and rough this morning. God did not cause your job to have to furlough you, but he did allow it. God did not kill your loved one, but he did allow it. Jesus. God did not cause your job to have to furlough you and now you can't pay all your bills and now you're having to make arrangements with your mortgage company. But he did allow it. And we have to find a way to accept what God allows. And here's my word today. If God allows it, God can use it. See, God doesn't just use what God causes. Y'all better hear me. God can use what God allows if I manage what God allows in the right way. Y'all better hear what I'm just saying. I keep hearing all these preachers and all these faith facebook pundits talking about god allowed this season so that we'll get closer to god and so no that's not correct because to even say that suggests that god caused it no god didn't cause it so that we could get closer to god but since god allowed it you ought to use it to get closer to god use it to get closer to your family use it to do some self-reflection you've got to know that if god allowed it god can use it I just want to give you a couple of quick things to help you manage this season where some of y'all listening to me are mad as hell with God. Here it is. Number one, I got two points. A human crisis will always reveal spiritual convictions. A human crisis, write that down. A human crisis. Come on, I done hit home for somebody already. Go sow that seed. A human crisis. 
<laughs> will always reveal spiritual convictions. Now, let me help you out. Conviction is different than crisis belief. See, a whole lot of folk got crisis belief. Crisis. What's a crisis belief? Crisis belief is when all of a sudden you seem like you're closer to God when you're going through something than you seem like you're close to him any other time. Crisis belief is when you go to church because you're going through something, but soon as you get out of it, you stop going to church. Crisis belief is when all of a sudden you're praying three times a day because of what you're going through, but you ain't never prayed any other time. Crisis belief is not conviction. Mm. Crisis, let me tell you something today. Crisis will reveal how close you are to God. Crisis will highlight what kind of relationship you have with God and what kind of faith you have in God. It reveals your convictions. And what we see in this text is that Daniel had what I call core convictions. See, let me go to school. There are three types of convictions. Yeah, there are public convictions mm. yes let the church say public wherever you are in, in your house wherever you are let the church say public convictions yes public convictions are convictions listen that I want other people to think I believe even though I may not believe mm. okay let me let me bring it another way public convictions yeah it, it, it's it's a conviction you speak watch this for the purpose of creating an impression rather than speaking truth. Public conviction is when you're in church and you're saying amen because everybody around you saying amen even though you ain't believing what you amen in. Public conviction. Then there's private conviction. Now, now private conviction, watch this, is something you sincerely think you believe but when situations shift it shows you don't really believe it okay let me give an example um private convictions yeah um when jesus says to peter you 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 gonna deny me peter said i ain't doing that jesus said oh no you're gonna do it three times peter said lord listen i would never deny you yeah he thinks he believes that and then when he got in a situation around a fire with people who didn't follow jesus and he got asked three times by this girl was he one of the followers he ended up three times saying no that's not who i am because a private conviction is something you think you believe till all hell breaks loose there's public conviction, there's private conviction, but then there's core convictions. Core conviction is when I act with my body what I think in my mind. Core conviction are revealed by my daily actions. It's in the text when Daniel was faced with the choice of not praying and saving his life or praying and being killed. Read the text a little verses before I started reading. He chose praying. You got to read verse 10. It said when he found out that if he kept praying, he was going to be killed. The Bible says he went home. Watch this. Didn't pray one time. He prayed three times that day as was his custom. Y'all missing it. Because as a Jew and as a devout Jew, praying was a part of your natural spiritual discipline. So Daniel didn't turn to prayer because he was in trouble. No, 
he prayed three times at the allotted times that Jews prayed. He didn't let what he was going through stop his discipline of prayer with God. Y'all didn't hear me. Which means he wasn't praying about not going in a den. He was praying because he had a disciplined prayer life. He wasn't praying because he was in trouble. He prayed because that's what he always did. He did what he had done before. See, when you're not a worshiper, then you'll let stuff interrupt your worship. When you don't have a prayer life, you'll let stuff interrupt your prayer life. But when it's your discipline and when it's your conviction, you'll be like Daniel. Daniel didn't panic. He didn't force a confrontation. He didn't argue about the unfairness of it. He prayed and he worshiped the Lord. He loved and served. Please hear me as you are listening to me this morning. The persistence of your prayer life has to be more powerful than the insistence of your problem. Daniel refused to oh this is gonna get good let me let me let me let me let me calm it down slow it down put it back in first gear Daniel refused are y'all listening to me this camera right here Daniel refused to question God's right to be God he refused to question God's right to be God, Jesus. He just kept his faith in God. Y'all better hear me this morning. Faith is the deliberate confidence in the character of God. Watch this. Whose ways you may not understand at the time. Faith is confidence in God's character when I'm confused about God's actions. Jesus, help me today. Faith is the confidence in God's character when I'm confused by God's inaction. It's in those times when we have to exercise our faith to the fullest, when I don't understand what God's up to, when I can't figure out why God's allowing this, when I, when I look and there are a thousand new cases in Atlanta in 24 hours with 200 and some odd people dying, when I look and then I've noticed... Uh, on all of our media, local media outlets now, uh, they don't put the coronavirus updates at the front like they used to, but they, they bury it a little and you got to look for it. But when I noticed that on Saturday morning, there were 700 plus more cases in Northeast Florida than there were the night before. And when I get text messages from church members telling me about their father or about their loved one, and when I hear about pastors over 60 in the church of God in Christ and other pastors who get this virus simply because they were trying to have church God how can a pastor who's just trying to have church get the virus and die it doesn't make sense and it's in those moments where I gotta trust the character of God more than I trust the action or inaction you got to choose to worship God and to trust in God's goodness, sovereignty, and power. See, it's in seasons like this, and I want every believer to hear me this morning. It's in seasons like this when we have to remind the world around us that we are not God. I want to talk to some of y'all 
social media theologians. Stop trying to speak for God about why this season is happening. Stop trying to suggest that this is a season that we're going through. I, I read what one preacher said, because America won't apologize for homosexuality. Well, if that's your belief, I'm not here to debate that or tell y'all what mine is, but if that's your belief that that's a sin, then all of us going to hell because all of us sinning. Instead of y'all going on Facebook and Instagram Live and trying to speak for God, show the world that you're humble enough to know you are not God. And even if God is not being God in the way we think God should be God, it does not matter. God is still God. Our place, God help me heal somebody today. Our place is not to demand answers from God and try and analyze life's losses like a math problem. No. Daniel never went to God and questioned the unfairness of the situation. See, don't, don't you weigh your thoughts and your logic and your rationalization against God's. When we do that, when we start trying to speak for God and weigh what we see happening in the world with our logic, we shift our focus from God to ourselves. True, true worship happens when you don't understand and you choose to worship God anyhow amid situations that defy rational human explanation you declare you're still God and I'm not you and since I'm not you and you're still God I'm going to worship you you've got to trust oh this is a deep statement you got to trust that God didn't get it wrong even when we can't figure it out or even when it seems wrong and others are not going to be able to figure out your worship and they're going to make fun of your worship. Other people are going to poke fun at you when you say, I'm just trusting in the Lord. But at the end of the day, God never gave you a promise you'd understand him. But he did give you a responsibility to worship him. And I declare, if you worship him through your tears, if you pray through your pain, if you worship through your questions, your worship may not give you answers, but your worship will give you peace. A crisis will reveal your convictions. Here's the last thing. When, when, when you when you keep your convictions in the midst of a crisis that has you confused, God will give you peace in the midst of the pandemic. Or if you're not going through in the pandemic, he'll give you peace in the midst of your predicament. I want you to read the text again. This bless me. Um, it says Darius goes home. And if you read around the end of verse 18, it said Darius couldn't sleep. He couldn't sleep. He was agitated. He was frustrated. He, he, he didn't like what was going on. He was restless. Now his trip part, his trip part, and uh, he's the king, which means he's in the castle. Here's what's going to get deep. So Darius is restless and sleepless in luxury. <laughs> Daniel slept peacefully 
in hell. Come closer. Come closer. Darius can't sleep in a mansion. Daniel can sleep under the bridge. God, I'm going to help somebody. Darius is restless in his palatial domicile. Daniel is sleeping on a concrete mattress. Jesus. Darius is restless with soldiers guarding him. Daniel is sleeping with Daniel with lions wanting to eat him. Because when your faith is right, you can sleep going through hell better than somebody with no faith living in luxury. Jeez, I, I don't need luxury to be in peace and sleep. I'm talking to somebody right now. See, when you got faith, you can sleep better laid off than somebody going to work every day and who ain't got no faith. Y'all better hear me. When you are living in faith, you can sleep better knowing you can't pay all your bills than somebody going through this season without faith and paying their bills and got money left over. Because faith makes you act differently than your predicament says you should be acting when you got faith you can go to sleep at night because Daniel was at peace see peace is it, write this down peace is freedom from oppressive thoughts and emotions it's not because my situation is good or the lack of peace is not because my situation is bad but I got peace whether it's good or bad because of my state of mind. Y'all better hear me in here. Because I've kept my mind on him. He will give me perfect peace. See, something's always going to want to disrupt, disturb, or destroy your peace. Some of y'all can testify right now. Soon as you get your peace, you got somebody coming along messing with you. Soon as you get to your happy place, you got Negroes always trying to snatch you back to who you used to be soon as you get yourself together look like something happens in your life that tries to take your peace away but you got to reach a place where you declare I refuse to give my peace to my problems I refuse to give my peace to people I refuse to give my peace to the president I refuse to give my peace to a pandemic my peace is not determined by statistics but my peace is determined by the structure of God's word so every day they gonna come on and statistics are gonna say more folk are sick and more folk are dead but his word is going to say that he's a light on my path and a lamp on my feet because I'm not governed by statistics some of y'all watching me right now can testify with your peace that with what I'm going through I should be acting a plum fool but because I have faith this is how I'm going to act here it is I would rather have hope in what an all-powerful God can do than to have certainty in what I'm limited to do why in the world am I going to trust me with my limitation when I've got a God who has no limitations Watch what happens 
in the text, and I'm done. Watch what happens. When Darius wakes up the next morning, he goes down to the den and says, <laughs> um, Daniel, you all right? I'm coming back to that. Was your God able? Watch what Daniel said. Daniel said, I bet you never thought about this. King, I'm good. God sent an angel hmm, to shut the mouths of the lions. Um, God sent an angel. He's got angels for everything. He, he's got water splitting angels. <laughs> he's got wall knocking down angels. He's got lions den angels. Now watch this. You never thought about it. He says, God sent the lions to lock the jaws, uh, sent, sent an angel to lock the jaws of the lion. You never thought about this. That's important. Can I tell you why that's important? The particularity of the description is important because the implication is I know their mouths got locked because I saw them trying to open them. Y'all didn't get it yet. Um, I saw them trying to open them because they were trying to get to me. It does not say God took their appetite, Jesus. But what their appetite would cause them to do is what God stopped, Jesus. God wouldn't let the lions carry out their plan to eat him up. The only reason I knew that the angels shut their mouths is because there's no other explanation for why they were growling but couldn't get me. Here's how awesome God is. God doesn't have to take you out of the situation but knows how to keep you in it and around people who have an appetite for doing you in but won't let them carry it out. Mm. You ought to just text somebody that's going through real quick and tell them God's not going to let them carry it out. You ought to write it in the comments on Facebook right now. Whatever lions are trying to get you, God's not going to let them carry it out. Whatever the devil wants to use this pandemic, however he wants to use it to mess with believers, God's not going to let him carry it out. Y'all better hear me in here today. I'm not saying folk aren't going to die. I'm not saying folk are not going to get sick. That's not my business. I don't have the answer for that. I am not God. But what I do know is if I keep my faith in God, whatever the devil thinks is going to be the result of this pandemic, God's not going to let him do it. They're going to keep trying. People are going to keep trying to take you out. They're going to keep trying to devour you, but they're going to keep failing. Daniel can see these lions trying, but he can also see them failing. How many of y'all, I can't hear you, but I want you to shout it in your house, in your car, at work, or just lift your hand. How many of y'all can say, I know the Lord is with me because I have watched my enemies fail? <laughs> How many of y'all can say right now, I know the Lord's on my side because I've watched lions coming to take me out. But for some reason, they could not get to me. I know God is on my side because I've watched things try to destroy me, but God would not let it happen. You ought to just text somebody and tell them God will let you watch your enemies fail at what they're trying to do to your life. Here it is. Last thing. God is going to use 
how you manage your predicament as a tool to produce praise out of other people. Here's what I mean. God is going to introduce God's self to people that don't believe in God by how you handle God in this season. The next, the next, the next morning, um, give me some strings. I want strings. Um, the next morning, that Darius with excitement comes and he has them move the stone. And um, he says, Daniel, was your God able to deliver you? Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels. Shut the mouths of the lions. The Bible says that because of the testimony of Daniel, Darius put out a decree about the living God. You better hear me. Maybe some folk in your family don't do God because they see how you do God. <laughs> Maybe some folk don't, don't do church because they see how you do life. You got family members right now. You got friends who are going through stuff in this pandemic. Stop trying to be God to them. You can't figure out why God allowed death to come to them. You can't figure out why they wore a mask and still got the virus. You can't figure out why your husband got cancer. You can't figure out why your child is on drugs. You can't You're not God. But you can show God that I'm hurting like hell. But I'm still going to trust that you are God. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't even like what you're doing. God, I don't even believe in what you're doing, but I believe in you. <laughs> I don't believe you. I don't believe in what you're doing. I had a dear friend, Pastor Robert Perkins, went on to be with the Lord on Friday. He had a rare, a rare cancer. And um He had called me about three or four months ago. Said the doctors had given him a year to live. He needed a bone marrow, and Emory and other places thought it was too risky. And uh, he called me with jubilation about three or four months ago because a doctor that he had been with in New York found the specialist who could do the bone marrow. They found the donor they needed. They scheduled the bone marrow. He was set and ready to get his life back. He was interim pastor at a church in Columbia, South Carolina. And the church had already planned, you're going to get the bone marrow recovered and be our pastor. The date was set for he and his wife to go to New York for the surgery and COVID-19 hit. He called me about three weeks ago. He sounded so weak. And he said, man, 
the virus has interrupted their ability to do my surgery. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Two weeks later, two and a half weeks later, his wife calls me this past Friday night. Said he left us. I, I had issues. God, how could you let your preacher? How could you be this cruel to let your preacher set a date for the surgery? You allow this thing to happen in such a fashion that they shut down hospitals, and as a result, he dies. But it's not mine to figure out. It's not even mine to answer. It's mine to show my conviction that you're still God in the midst of this situation and that you will give me for you today but God will give you peace I, 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 don't, I don't know when the virus is going to end I don't, I don't know if your family member is going to survive but I promise you here's what God will give you He's going to give you He's going to give you Whenever the Lord, whenever the Lord says peace, there will be peace. There will be peace. Peace be. I promise you, if you trust His word, whenever the Lord says, whenever the Lord says speak to you today. Peace. Your family or who's sick in your family but whenever the Lord says 
want you to hear me. church and you're wasting your time you're not God and they can't understand it because it's faith because it doesn't make sense but God don't give peace ah I promise you he's gonna let you sleep at night others will be restless but you're gonna sleep Others will pace the floor, but you're going to be asleep. Because whenever the Lord says peace, there will be peace. Listen, I don't know who you are this morning, but I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you something I can't explain. Over 2,000 years ago, they nailed him to a cross. And their actions of putting him on the cross killed the penalty of your sin. Now, I can't explain it. I've been there. I've bowed down in the church of the Holy Sepulchre at the very place where the cross was on the hill of Calvary. And I don't understand it. I don't understand how a man over 2,000 years ago knew I was going to sin and died for the sins I hadn't even committed but by faith I trusted and I want to tell you today the peace you get from confessing Jesus Christ is unlike any peace you'll ever have 
And if you're listening to me this morning, somebody called you or texted you and said, man, this man is preaching a sermon today that is as raw and real and relevant as you'll ever hear. And you tuned in, and now there's something bubbling inside you. You're like, I, don't, I can't explain it, but I'm, I'm feeling something from hearing this man preach that I've never felt before. It's not me. It's God moving in you. And if you're watching me, if you're watching me on Facebook, I want you to go to my website, thebethelexperience.com. There's a box on the landing page that says Decisions on Demand. Click on that. It's going to open up and I want you to click Salvation. Then I want you to fill it out. As a matter of fact, right now I just want you to say with me, God, I thank you that you sent your son to die for my sins. I confess Jesus as my Savior. I receive salvation that he is my Savior. You are my God, and I live in total forgiveness. Can I tell you, if you've never said that before, but you just said it with me, I want you to go and click salvation right now. Or oh, you're saying, I'm saved, Bishop, but I'm in another city. I'm even in another state. I'm, I'm in another country. But I need that kind of word, that kind of real, raw, relevant teaching. I need, Bishop. But I, I can't be a member of your church because I don't live in Jacksonville. Yes, you can. It's called the E-Church. As a matter of fact, I'm doing a Zoom tomorrow night with all of our new members who have joined during the pandemic. Pastor and I are doing that tomorrow night. You want to be a member of this church? You don't live in Jacksonville. I want you to do the same thing I just told those others to do. But then when you click decisions on demand, I want you to click the box that says discipleship. You're going to hear from our executive pastor of congregational care, Pastor Reginald Caldwell. You can be our member. I can be your bishop if you live all the way in Africa, Australia, North Pole, wherever you are. The E-Church is available to you right now. Listen, that story ended by saying, and Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and Cyrus. That when God brought him out of the shutdown, when God brought him out of the shut-in, he prospered under two kings. That's double. I'm telling you, whenever this pandemic is over, God's going to bring double prosperity. You better hear what I'm telling you. Your business is going to double. The joy in your family is going to double. See, you thought prosperity was just about money. Oh, no, no, no. He's going to double your blessings. He's going to double finances for some, joy for others. He's going to double peace in your marriage. He's going to double doors opening for your children. When we come out of this, double is coming. I speak it over your life right now. I want to tell you one last thing. I want you, you've already sown. I want you to go sow it and again seed right now. This word was for you today. This word has given you a way to not understand this pandemic, but to go through this pandemic. I want you to go sow in again seed. You've already given your tithe. You've already given your offering. Then right now, I need you to go sow your again seed. To just say, God, I thank you that you've given me a word that's going to keep me in this and when I come out it's going to be double I want to pray Father God I pray that this word really helped somebody not understand this pandemic 
but know how to walk through it in faith forgive us for not giving you the right to be who you are forgive us for thinking we could speak for you you're God you don't need help with that our job is to trust you to show our convictions and to trust your peace that you will give us during this season I pray for everybody watching me right now oh God who have lost family members who've lost friends who have family or friends in hospitals they cannot visit and for God God for some people their situation is not the pandemic they've got family members who are sick with other ailments and illnesses and diseases or they've got other problems that aren't physical maladies but they've got other struggles and they've been trying to understand how they're so faithful and yet this thing keeps striking their family and God help them to understand today we're not you but we're called to trust you God I feel it in my spirit today and I, I do I feel the conviction of it to pray for the leader of this country that he will act in wisdom not emotion I pray for every governor I pray for every mayor that economy not be more important than people let wisdom be the rule of the day and I pray that as people begin to go out tomorrow that we practice sense more than excitement that we practice wisdom more than we practice excitement that we be smart about what we do and give us peace come on praise team right there whenever the lord says whenever the lord says peace listen i i love you there will be, there'll be peace. i love you this morning i thank god for you i hope this word blessed you you stay right there because the virtual fellowship is coming. Whenever the Lord says, soon as the praise team finishes, just taking us out a little bit. You stay there. I'm going to sign back on to the Bethel Church for our virtual fellowship. I've got a major announcement for you. Whenever the Lord, whenever the Lord says, I love you. I'll see you in a minute. Peace. There will be peace. Y'all keep the streaming going. Whenever the Lord, whenever the Lord
We're living in a day and time. We're being politically correct. It's popular. Let me turn that around again. We're living in a day and time where everybody's saying the name God. But nobody wants to say the name Jesus. We don't want to offend the Muslims. We don't want to offend the Jews. We don't want to offend the Arabs. And so therefore we crucify him of flesh. But I want you to know that there will come a time when every Muslim, when every Buddhist, when every Jew will have to get down on their knees and have to confess that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So I want every blood-washed believer to not wait until then. And if you've ever gone through something, you know right here Tell them that there's something about the name. Something, y'all. Something about the name, Jesus. Something about the name. Something about the name, Jesus. It's the sweetest name. Yeah. It is the sweetest name. Sweetest name I know. I know. And I love that name. Oh, how I love it. Is the sweetest name That's right. Just take a minute and explain to him what you're really trying to say. What you're really trying to say. Some people, some people say I'm crazy, but I can't explain. I can't explain. The power, the power that I feel when you call his name. When I call your name. That fire, that fire. Said it's just like fire. Where's it? Where's it? Shut up in my mood. Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost gets to moving, said he won't leave me alone. And and it's all the 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 Everybody, something about the name Jesus. Something about the name. Something about the name Jesus. It's the sweetest name, yeah. It is the sweetest name. Sweetest name I know. I know. Wave at me if you love that name. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. It's the sweetest name, yeah. It is the sweetest name. How sweet is How sweet is I want you to tell Detroit for a minute. How sweet is Sweet of it, honey. That is sweeter than honey. Oh, from the honeycomb. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When the Holy Ghost gets to moving, just won't leave you alone. Said he won't leave me alone. Oh, no. Now tell every Muslim member to, at the name of at Jesus. At the name of Jesus. What's going to happen someday? Every knee has got to bow. So tell him to wait. You don't have to wait till the fire comes. What can they do? You can clap your hands now. Praise right it now. Ah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Troy, let yeah, me hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something about the name Jesus. Something about that name. Something about the name Jesus. 
Lord, we break this stuff. That's all right. We move it anyway.
shout like he be good to you. Woo! <laughs> Lord, it's still mighty good in here tonight. Woo! Somebody just lift both of your hands and tell them thank you. Lift both of your hands and tell them thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, lift those hands. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.